everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Primim's Playlist Season 3. My name is Prim, and just like last time, I'll be analyzing 5 underrated Korean songs and recommending them based on your taste in K-pop. If you've been following this podcast for a while, you know that I'm a huge fan of music that gets weird. Obviously, part of that is good old selection bias. Music with weird stuff in it is easier for me to talk about, since, well, I can just talk about the weird stuff. But even outside of this podcast, I love music that makes me go, to quote Brian David Gilbert's E3 episode of Unraveled, what hell yeah what? Lord knows I've dragged my boyfriend to a few online hyperpop concerts over quarantine. There are many ways a song can elicit this what hell yeah what response, but in my experience they fall mostly into two categories. Either detuning a melodic element so it sounds slightly off-key, such as the lead Simpson and you by ID, or distorting any element of a song from a music production standpoint, usually by chopping it up or adding megaphone-like distortion filters. Today, we'll be taking a look at some recently released Korean songs which feature detuned and distorted elements that will make you go what hell yeah what. Alright, let's pull up the playlist! Our first song today is I Like It by Ann New and Rafan featuring Trey Jung Yoon, currently at 700 views on Soul Music. This song starts off at a fairly fast pace, combining snapping percussion with expanding mid-tone synth pads and chime arpeggios, alternating echoey vocals with a whining lead synth and adding in a steady bass kick later. The pre-chorus then completely drops off into syncopated muffled synths which grow less muffled as snares come in, building up to the chorus. But not before everything cuts out for a single measure, layering the song's namesake lyric with a descending bass drum and rising plucked synth. The chorus actually adds in some more retro-sounding aspects, such as its more standard drum rhythm, funky bass, and slightly overdriven electric guitar melodies, though it keeps some of the previously used warped EDM elements like those muffled synths and occasional grinding noises. The second verse through second chorus are basically more of the same, just with the addition of another vocalist. There's some really interesting interplay between the two singers, almost call and response-ish. Oh, also there's a guitar solo. That's pretty cool. I'd recommend I Like It to anyone who likes Can't We Just Leave the Monster Alive by TXT. Both songs have a distinct road trip vibe to them, as well as EDM inspirations and a certain weirdness factor, though with TXT it's more in the percussion. Heck, they even have similar pre-course drops, cutting out the instrumental to focus on vocals and a pretty much isolated, strange synth. So if you like Can't We Just Leave the Monster Alive, I'd highly recommend I Like It. How about song number two? Next up we've got Yo-Yo by Cola, garnering 16.5k views on Stone Music Entertainment. This song is heavily inspired by house music. According to Wikipedia, house music was created in Chicago's underground club culture through, quote, altering disco songs to give them a more mechanical beat and deeper bass lines. Alongside the beat and bass, house music is marked by a minimalist production style, a consistent intensity level, and lots of sampling. All of these hallmarks of house music can be heard in Yo-Yo. Throughout the entire song, the bass line is definitely the most striking aspect. Not only is it incredibly deep, to the point where my headphones are actually having a bit of trouble dealing with it, it also perfectly mirrors the main synth melody, adding to the minimalism of the production style by stripping out the potential for harmony, counterpoint, etc. There's also this throbbing, repeated string sample, which sounds as though the strings from a disco song were chopped up and looped, harkening back to that point on altering disco songs. 
Plus, the vocal melody in this song is clearly disco-inspired. Of course, the drumline is very steady and mechanical, and there's not much of a change in intensity throughout the song. Basically, it's a throwback to the house music of the 80s and 90s. House music, specifically the deep house subgenre, is actually a fairly common musical inspiration in K-pop. But out of all the groups to incorporate house music into their songs, GWSN definitely does so the most like Cola and Yo-Yo. The bass-heavy, minimalist choruses of songs like A Total Eclipse, Puzzle Moon, and Pinky Star all remind me a lot of Yo-Yo's production style. So if you're a GWSN fan looking for more house K-pop, definitely check out Yo-Yo. Song 3, please. Song number 3 today is Butterfly by Wooks featuring Dobain, with 12k views on Stone Music Entertainment. What immediately stood out to me in this song is the detuned, warped-sounding electric piano which plays on loop throughout this entire track. This loop serves as the basis of the entire song, simple enough to act as the chord progression during sung parts, but rhythmically interesting enough to act as the main melody during instrumental sections. Alongside this loop is a fairly simple percussion track and a bass line which mostly mirrors the loop, and during the choruses some chimes are added in. The simplicity of the instrumental lets the vocals shine through. Wooks and Dopein play off of each other really well, mostly during the choruses, and their voices match nicely with each other and with the vibe of the instrumental. Okay, so this is far from a perfect match, but I'd recommend Butterfly to anyone who likes And July by Heza featuring Dean and DJ Frizz. Though it's definitely stronger in Angel Live and in Butterfly, both songs have hip-hop influences. Plus, both combine a steadier drum track with syncopated detuned synths, and even feature two vocalists playing off of each other. That being said, Butterfly has a faster tempo and more upbeat vibe, so if you like Angel Live but want something a bit more upbeat, Butterfly is perfect for you. How about song number 4? At 15k views on Stonemisk Entertainment, this is Minus by Present, with vocals by Jenier. This song is a seamless blend of EDM and R&B, and it blends the two in a very unexpected way. The song starts off with slow, emotional vocals alongside ambient noise and a dampened electric piano-like pad playing the chords, punctuated by short, expanding synths, a deep bass kick, echoing snaps, and a syncopated and pitched electronic percussion hit. From there, trap-like hi-hat rolls and a deep, grungy bass are added, the former adding to the contemporary R&B vibe, and the latter to the EDM vibe. This first verse then transitions into the pre-chorus, marking a shift in the genre balance way more towards EDM, acting as the build-up. Heck, it even features a clapping noise on every beat as it makes its way to the chorus, which is something you hear in EDM a lot. Then, the beat drops, chopping up the vocals to hell and back over grinding bass synths, stuttering static-like pads, speedy percussion, and chaotically selected samples. Jenner's vocals then come back in their full, non-chopped-up glory, really highlighting how this song's main vocal melody wouldn't be out of place in a more standard R&B track, and yet it still fits in this song, where there is legitimately a chiptune-like synth solo placed almost immediately after. If you like Hala Hala by ATs, I really think you'll like Minus. Both songs start off very quiet and ambient, combining some R&B elements into the prevailing EDM vibes of the song, before transitioning into a more expected for EDM buildup towards a beat drop. That being said, Hala Hala's drop is completely different from Minus's drop, being more of a bass-heavy anti-drop. 
Honestly, Midas is kind of like if you were listening to Hala Hala, but right at the beat drop, switch to like a Nightcore version of Hard Carry by GOT7. So if you like both Hala Hala and Hard Carry, you'll probably get a kick out of Minus. Let's hear song 5! Garnering 1100 views on local high records, our fifth song today is Space Travel by Pocky featuring Bong-Goon and Yi Taeyong, and produced by V. No, not that one, at least as far as I know. We start off with some spacey detuned synths alongside a music box-like main melody, all set to a swung tempo. Mid-toned whispery vocals and an echoing snapping sound are added in for the first verse, with a slight dip of intensity halfway through as the music box is taken away. The intensity skyrockets though during the chorus, adding grinding samples, metallic sounding bouncy synths, so what by Luna-esque horn stings, and a deep, loud, white noisy snare. During the post-chorus, this is kept fairly consistent with the vocals being replaced by a saxophone solo. Interestingly, the second verse starts off in a completely different direction, using a heavily distorted bass line as almost the entirety of the instrumental, before transitioning back into the detuned synth and snap style from earlier. Come the second chorus, this time there are some playful drops in the instrumental, cutting to a near acapella for just a few beats before going back to its previous intensity. The swung tempo, harsh percussion, and funky synths in space travel remind me a lot of the New Jack swing genre, which has been used in K-pop time and time again. Though examples of this genre in the mainstream include songs like Call Me Baby by EXO, Lady by EXID, and One of One by SHINee, space travel reminds me the most of Ring 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 by Very Very. Though space travel is definitely a lot slower and more contemplative than Ring Ring Ring, they definitely have a similar instrumentation, especially in their percussion during the choruses. So, if you like Ring Ring Ring, or New Jack Swing in general, I think you'll really like space travel. Last but not least, let's hear our sore thumb song. Our sore thumb song today is I Can't by City, currently at 2,500 views on Music and New. Of course, as the sore thumb song to our episode on detuned and distorted stuff, the song doesn't really have much of a way of detuned and distorted elements. Instead, what we have is a very smooth and funky tune, focused mostly around its walking pace tempo, rhythmic bass line, and high, slightly whispery vocals, backed up by syncopated guitar and punctuating percussion. More body is added during the chorus, which creates an almost smoothing effect. The bass line and percussion are exactly the same, but now they don't change the overall texture of the song as much, since there is some other stuff to get through, if that makes sense. It's kind of like spreading butter on toast and watching the crumbs get caught up in the spread. This contrast between a rougher, higher contrast verse and a smoother chorus repeats during the second verse and chorus, though with a few more elements added, like the deep drums leading into the second chorus. The same pretty much goes for the bridge and final chorus, though definitely less so given the bridge's minimalist instrumental. So it's funny that I mentioned Butter and Toast earlier because I would actually highly recommend I Can't to anyone who likes BTS's recent comeback, Butter. Both songs have a similar contrast between their verses and choruses, being more baseline focused in the former and treble focused slash smooth in the latter. Of course, I Can't has a much more melancholy vibe compared to Butter, and definitely draws less direct inspiration from disco despite its funky vibes. It's less straight neutral, and more neutral meets rock, I guess, though that isn't entirely accurate too. 
Basically, if you compare the change from dynamite to butter, then apply that same change to butter and make it sadder, you get I Can't. So yeah, if you like BTS's recent disco-inspired tracks but want something more contemplative and melancholy, check out I Can't. Now that we've heard the whole playlist, let's interview today's guest star. Music is like an onion. It has layers. More specifically, music is made up of layers of instruments, vocal recordings, and or samples, all of which combine into a single song. These layers are often referred to as stems, and sometimes when you're listening to a song, if you focus really hard, you can imagine what each stem sounds like individually. That's actually what I do when I script this podcast. Whenever I describe a song, I tend to describe each stem individually because that lets me describe a song in more detail. That being said, most artists don't release the individual stems of their songs. Heck, it's rare to even get an official instrumental. But what if you could take any song of the world, put it into a computer program, and split it into stems? And what if you could do that right in your web browser? A website called Splitter.ai uses artificial intelligence to do just that. Our guest today is Aid, the creator of Splitter.ai. How are you doing today, Aid? I'm doing good, thank you. Let's start off with some context for our listeners. When most people hear artificial intelligence, they usually think of its place in science fiction. Sentient computers, robot uprisings, stuff like that. But obviously science fiction isn't real life. So how does artificial intelligence actually work? So the way artificial intelligence work is, um, first we have to look at the terminology. So uh, one way to put it simply is artificial intelligence is actually just a sub subcategory of, uh, of a, a larger kind of like system or industry or whatever you want to call it, such as machine learning. So artificial intelligence is the subcategory that uh, specializes in trying to simulate intelligence. So the way it works is you basically simulate whatever the brain does. So you have neurons and you connect them together and um, then you basically feed that neural network as it's called data and as the program goes on and on and on you could think of it as if each neuron is being stimulated and uh, basically having its values kind of like um, um, reprogrammed as the program runs that would be a very simple way to explain it maybe it's even too simple uh, that's basically it all right, so it essentially changes itself and gets better over time. Is that what you're saying? It That could be the case. It depends on the architecture of the uh, neural network. So you have like backpropagation and you have all kinds of uh, uh, networks. I'm not going to get into any details because it's going to get very technical. Uh, but yeah, sure, those type of architectures do exist where uh, the artificial intelligence learns by itself or learns by, um, you, you can help it understand if something is wrong or right. For example, all the captchas, uh, you know, when you go to a website and you need to log in somewhere and then ask you, it asks you, uh, mark or select all the fire hydrants. Uh, and so you select them. What you're actually doing is every human being that encounters a captcha is helping a, an AI to understand what is a fire hydrant. It can learn by, its, by itself, or you can actually help it learn. That's fascinating. I actually didn't know that about CAPTCHA. 
I would like to move on to Splitter.ai itself now, though. Sure. According to Splitter.ai's homepage, your service uses Splitter by Deezer to do its job. What is Splitter, and how did you first come across it? So uh, I, I need to explain a little bit about my background. So originally, I'm a music producer. Um, and so I always wanted to be able to separate elements from a song, right? It, it's a way to maybe clean up uh, parts of, a, let's say, a sample or just a sample. Maybe you just want, uh, want to sample uh, the voice of a song or something like that. So and th- I'm not unique in that way. People have had this idea for the longest time. But sometime in November 2019, I saw on Reddit somebody post Somebody posted that Deezer had released an open source software uh, called Splitter that uses AI to do what's called source separation. Uh, So that's how I came across it. Uh, And I found it very useful because since I am a music producer, obviously I'm going to use it all the time. And the way Splitter does it is, is actually they use a biomedical feature separation model as it's called and a model refers to the you could you could think of it like the architecture of the neural network the way the neural network is built the way it's designed uh, so it's actually originally made for um, biomedical um, uh, applications to be able to separate for example what is a cancer cell or what is a blood cell you know so that's basically it So I feel like you've already kind of answered this while talking about your background in music production, but what was your inspiration for creating Splitter.ai as a site specifically, especially when there are other musical implementations of Splitter out there? So my inspiration was originally uh, uh, when I came across Splitter, I knew instantly that a lot of people were going to, you know, a lot of people would want to use this uh, software, but also a lot of people would not, for example, want to install anything or they would have issues because you got to install uh, different types of softwares and command line tools and you need you know graphics cards or whatever so i i just wanted to you know remove all the hassle and just make a site that does whatever splitter does but without having to have the hardware or the software for it just drag and drop that's basically it and also i knew from my entrepreneurial uh, experience that whenever something is free and it's amazing, people are gonna be very fast to paywall it. Every time, it happens all the time. And so since I knew that, I I knew that I need to make this uh, free alternative Um, because as time goes on, we're gonna see more and more of the same type of service that just costs money and you know, it's it's a you know at the end of the day, it's a you know it's a free software. It should be as free as possible. We cannot ignore the fact that you know there are expenses to it, but that's why I added the option to donate if you would like to donate to help keep the site running and you know let everybody else on the planet uh, use the software. So between the technological issues and the monetization issues, what was the hardest part of getting Splitter.ai to work? Hmm. Very good question. Uh, everything that involves programming becomes its own mini project, and those mini projects can become like really big projects in reality. So I, w- I would just be honest and say that most of the issues I've had 
have been uh, competence. So maybe I didn't know exactly how to develop something or maybe I didn't know how a specific language inv involved or, you know, so it, it was mostly my own competence. Uh, uh, I hadn't really worked on creating like big projects, like pro uh, software projects like this before. And especially not serving like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, because now you all, all of a sudden you're getting into not a specific like audio processing thing, but now you're going into the industry of uh, data hosting and data processing, which is a completely different area. So, you know, the, there has been so many things that I didn't know that I doubted that I could make work, but turns out that they weren't that hard. It was just that I didn't know enough. But over time I learned and I managed to fix one issue at a time, one bug at a time. It wasn't any specific thing. It was just overall lack of knowledge, but you know, I was determined to make sure that the world has a free option. That's end, end of discussion, that's, that's it. There has to be a free option. A noble cause, and one that seems to resonate with a lot of people. Looking through the official Splitter.ai Twitter, it looks like Splitter's been getting very popular to the point where the website sometimes can't handle the traffic. Did you ever expect Splitter to get this popular? In a way, yeah. Yes, uh, based off of different factors. Uh, but then again, not really because, I don't know, it, it's been like this both yes and no kind of thing. Uh, I knew that free stuff always attracts people, right? <laughs> but then again, I didn't expect it to become this big. Uh, um, so I, I, I don't think I can answer that question properly, but it was both yes and no. Interesting, interesting. I mentioned technical issues before in relation to traffic. I've seen a fair number of Splitter users who are frustrated by these tech issues. <laughs> yes. Do you have any statement you'd like to give to frustrated Splitter users? Yes, be patient. I know it's very frustrating when, when the site isn't working as expected, but then again, it is expected to break when you have sudden surges of, of traffic of, let's say within, all of a sudden within maybe an hour, you have hundreds of thousands of people just coming into the site and uploading. I mean, it's there's limited resources to the project. I wish I had more, uh, you know, financial resources and hardware resources and also, you know, comp competence-based resources like employees or not. But uh, that's, that's just not the case. You know, this is just, I see Splitter more of a charity kind of thing. So, you know, the fact that we all can enjoy the technology for free um, is, uh, I believe, is a good thing. Uh, we all just have to be um, patient. You know, many times I thought about maybe I should just shut down the site. You know, is it really worth my time? At the end of the day, I'm the one spending most of my time uh, making sure that it runs smoothly. Um, but then again, what made me not uh, shut down the site was, you know, I, I can't let down all the supporters that donated, you know, and, and keep using the site. So j just just be patient. Over time, it has gotten much better. Like the the amount of crashes we saw, like early earlier in 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 uh, like in early 2020, those issues are are gone, you know. And lately, I've been working and tweaking and you know optimizing and all that. So basically, just be patient. Over time, it's just gonna get better and better. Kind of like your point from earlier about how AI learns from itself. Yeah, kind of, yeah. 
Maybe, maybe I'm a robot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your service is frequently used in transformative media, especially mashups. I actually first heard about Splitter via the K-pop mashup community. Yes. Many disagree on whether mashups and, to an extent, sampling are a legitimate form of media or just copyright infringement. What are your thoughts on this? My thoughts on that is, uh, I remember I asked one of my friends a long time ago. He's a he's a br- big um, songwriter. He has actually worked with major artists, and this was maybe almost ten years ago when I was I wasn't that good at making music to be honest. But he he supported me. He believed in me enough to support me and you know help me out. Uh, and I remember I asked him once, like, is is it cheating to use samples? What is cheating and what is not cheating? And he told me nothing is ever cheating. You're creating. You cannot create without having something to create with. There's always going to be something that you can use uh, to create new stuff with. And that kind of resonated, you know, up, uh, even up until today. Like, you cannot create anything if you don't use what already exists, right? You're basically just taking something, changing it a little bit maybe, and then, you know, creating something new that is enjoyable, even if it's similar or familiar right so i don't think it's copyright infringement copyright infringement would be if you if you create something that somebody else has already created right and try to monetize off of it without giving for example credit or or whatever but in the music industry these type of questions are usually very grayish area like what is copyright infringement what is like stealing a sound or whatever like you know it's it's kind of like this gray area but i don't think it's copyright infringement you know if you use splitter or splitter and you separate the vocals and then chop the vocals and make like a vocal chop out of it you know that's just creating music however if you use the whole acapella uh, slap it onto your own beat and then try to capitalize off of it or monetize it then you're clearly you know then that's copyright infringement. So if there's no originality uh, to your own work, even though you're using somebody else's work, then it's most likely just illegal. But if there is some type of originality to it, you know, just as little as taking parts of a chorus of a song and just pitching it down so it's, you know, darker. We can hear that, for example, in, in tech house music. Then that's not really copyright infringement. However, you still need to get get it approved from the original authors so it's kind of like this grayish area yes of course especially considering that a lot of our copyright law has let's be honest not been designed with digital production in mind yeah there's actually a solution to that over time i i see a future where for example um, all of these copyright issues would be handled a little bit automatically through uh, digital systems Uh, i can't really explain it uh, uh, but uh, it would be a better way to let a system decide when or when not it's copyright infringement. And even if it is, just to distribute the, the, the monetary f- gain properly between all the parties. Uh, that would be quite, a, quite amazing because then you could, you know, do mashups or remixes or whatever. And nobody would have to worry because, you know, if you're using something from somebody else, then the system would basically automatically say, hey, this guy or girl owns this part of, of your song, therefore they should have 10% or 25%, you know? So 
this automated distribution type of system. I can see a world where, where a future where this actually happens. We're just not there yet. That's really interesting as a point, actually, since that's kind of what YouTube's doing with Content ID, and it's gotten a lot of flack across the board, not just from transformative media communities, but also like movie reviewers, etc. Yeah. A lot of that comes from, let's say, wonkiness in the system. Well, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, the thing is that I think greed is involved in the issues there, because obviously if you create a mashup and you extracted an acapella from from a song and used it in your mashup nobody's gonna forget the original song everybody's gonna know that it's from the original song so why wouldn't why wouldn't you be able to make you know uh, get any financial gain from your work and at the same time the original author of let's say the acapella get part of let's say 50% of your work I mean that would be pretty fair uh, but here greed comes in so the the music label or the or the original author would would feel like oh yeah I want I want that video taken down and uh, I want 100% of the of the you know financial gains like the yeah, ad revenue or whatever and but then also then again maybe somebody doesn't want their acapella to be used in let's say a, a, a low low quality song or or whatever so at the end of the day it is the author that decides. Um, unfortunately that that is the truth and it's not really unfortunate it, it makes sense right if you create something and you've put your soul into it and then somebody makes a remix that uh, would impact your work then you would decide that okay i don't want my voice on that song but then again if you're a really big artist nobody's gonna think any bad of anything people would just ignore the bad song and go and listen to, to the good song that's fair that's fair Actually, along those lines, have you ever come across a mashup or remix that uses stems from Splitter? If so, how did that feel, seeing something from your site in the wild? Uh, interesting question, actually. So, I've come across um, a lot of work on the internet, uh, but I, n I never felt like, like uh, how can I say this? Like, I never felt proud over it because I know that it's not my original technology. However, it did feel amazing when I knew, for example, uh, shout out to Wookie, who is an amazing producer. I, he's actually featured on, on the website. Uh, when I found out that he's using the site, obviously using Splitter, the technology, uh, I'm just happy that it exists. It's not my technology. It's just, you know, cool that people can use it. But if it does feel amazing when I know that somebody has used my site specifically, uh, given the fact that there are probably hundreds of sites just like mine out there. Uh, I don't know if it answers your question. Though. No, don't worry. That totally answers my question. We're running a bit low on time, so this should be my last question. All right. Looking at how far Splitter's come since it first launched, where do you see Splitter going in the future? I see Splitter becoming kind of like a retail store for interesting audio processing uh, technologies. For example, being able to go to the site, uh, select a model, uh, a model other than uh, than the two standard ones. Um, and you know maybe have a selection of models or selection of different audio effects and being able to to process audio basically uh, me and uh, a few investors have actually spoken about for example uh, what if uh, splitter could become like this online based um, uh, music 
pr production software. I mean, web technologies are becoming very powerful. You can even use VSTs in the browser now. Uh, maybe you could do real-time recording and you know all kinds of stuff. So we don't know. Uh, but in the short run, still kind of in the long, long run, I, I could see the split. It just becomes like this re retail uh, platform where. Yeah, just hosts a bunch of different effects, and that's basically it. That's towards the average user. However, in the back end of things, uh, Splitter could very well become a provider of audio processing technologies, where Splitter licenses, uh, you know, makes like business licenses with other companies uh, if they need to use either the the frameworks or the back end, like the data center backends. For their businesses so splitter can go in many different ways um yeah that's basically it i know i said last question last question but i'm so curious now are there any upcoming models you want to talk about today i actually have a model that removes reverb and it does it very well a little backstory in the beginning uh, it didn't perform that well but uh, I made this very interesting uh, discovery. I'm not going to say what it is because it is very interesting and I'm going to sit on it uh, without telling anyone uh, for no particular reason. It's just I just feel like just not telling anybody. I want, you know, the mystery to be there. Uh, but this discovery allowed me to make my unverb technology uh, much better uh, than any other unverb technologies out there. For example, you have de-reverberation uh, technology from Isotope and Acon Digital and uh, Accentize. Comparing mine to them, one can clearly hear that there's a difference, like there's minimal bleed as it's called. It does a great job uh, uh, removing both long reverbs and short reverbs, even like super short reverbs. Um, and I've tried it on all kinds of audio. I've tried it on vocals. I've tried it on instruments and, you know, everything. And it performs really well. So I'm really excited to, at some point, release it through, through the website and see what people think about it and, you know, see what people uh, use it for. That sounds incredible. All right, that should be it for today. Thank you for joining me on my podcast today, Aid. It was great to have you. Thank you for having me. Splitter.ai is available fittingly at www.splitter.ai. Just choose how you'd like to split the song, drop in an audio file, and the website will have your stems within minutes. If you'd like to stay up to date on Splitter's latest updates, as well as check FAQs and get tech support, follow at splitter underscore AI on Twitter, and join their Discord linked in that Twitter's bio. I've used Splitter countless times for my own K-pop mashups, and even if you aren't into audio production itself, it's still great for getting instrumentals for karaoke night, or hearing your biases' vocals more clearly. I definitely recommend giving Splitter some support. There's just one more thing to talk about before we end today's show. It's time to spin the Wheel of Segments. And this week's segment is... B-Side Spotlight. We've looked at a lot of title tracks by obscure and underrated musicians on this podcast. In B-Side Spotlight, we switch things up and look at an underrated B-Side track from a well-known artist. Today, let's listen to Stealer by Monster X, a B-Side on their Take 2 We Are Here album from their Alligator era. 
currently at 148k views on Monster X's official artist page on YouTube. Obviously, that's quite a bit more views than I feature in my normal playlists, but compared to B-sides from other groups, and heck, even other B-sides from Monster X, that's actually pretty tiny. Stealer is an EDM track fitting with Monster X's loud, brash, and EDM-heavy concept. However, Stealer differs from many of their title tracks in that it incorporates a lot of horror-inspired elements. The introduction alternates between a suspenseful, rising, white-noisy synths and spooky foley, including a heartbeating, a gunshot, and a flatlining heartbeat monitor. The first verse then cuts to a low, deep, and ambient instrumental featuring a slow bass synth, what sounds like a high-pitched organ, and later, snapping percussion. The build-up and chorus both combine thin, sawtooth synths and club-ready percussion, with a deep voice-like bass and occasional squelching samples, before cutting back to spooky foley and ambient instrumentals. Weirdly enough, the bridge is actually my favorite part of the song instrumental-wise, taking inspiration from dubstep to bring us grinding sounds, sample deep voices, and a high buzzing synth which, despite it being the most melodic in nature of all the stems used, is used primarily as a rhythmic element. Of course, throughout the entire song, Monza X's vocals highlight both the EDM and horror aspects, using harsh rapping for the former and close harmonies with deep timbres for the latter. The combination of party-like EDM and horror elements in Steeler really makes me think of Van Hypen's latest comeback, Drunk Dazed. Though Drunk Dazed as a song definitely leads more towards that party side, relegating most of the horror to the music video, the blend of the two aesthetics is still definitely there in Enhypen's general concepts during this era. Honestly, in my opinion, Steeler actually fits Enhypen's bloody birthday party concept a bit better than Drunk Days does, at least musically. So if you wish Drunk Days had as much horror in it musically as its music video does visually, you'll really like Steeler. And with that, we end episode 5 of Primam's Playlist Season 3. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the original songs at bit.ly slash pmp underscore s3e5, all letters capital, all numbers numerals. If you want to say hello, you can find me on Instagram at primms underscore playlist, Twitter at playlistprim, or the official Primems Playlist YouTube channel. Links to everything can be found at linktree slash playlist. That's linktr.ee slash primmsplaylist. Primem's Playlist is a proud member of BrainRout Presents. For more information, visit brainroutpresents.wixsite.com landing. If you'd like to support our podcasts, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash underscore prsnts. Only $2 a month for Discord access and longer episodes, $5 a month for in-episode shoutouts and early episodes, plus bonuses for all our other podcasts. Or, if you'd like to make a one-time donation, visit fundraiser.com slash brainrot underscore prsnts. That's f-u-n-d-r-a-z-r dot com slash brainrot underscore prsnts. Shout out to our $5 plus tier Patreon supporters, Adrian Frisbee, Saffron, Emery Silvers, Jupiter McIntyre, Prozac Haven, Delan Bouchamp, Connor Fox, Jan Aloney, Sean Locke, and Neopet Graveyard. You make this podcast possible. Thanks for jamming with me today.